Our scripture reading this morning is from Romans 12, verses 13. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. I can see some of you still flipping in your Bibles. (laughs) Slightly different than the uh, judges' readings that we've been having. But the short scripture reading does have intentionality to it. We'll reflect on that together. But before we do, uh, let's pray uh, once again that God would do what he does every Sunday, and that is speak to our hearts. It's, it's so good to be with you all, to be with, to be with friends, and to once again see, see what God's going to do. So let's pray that he would move. Gracious Heavenly Father, we take a moment and we pause. I don't know what this morning has looked like for everyone. I don't know what everyone's going through. I know there are some that feel the weight of their own sin this morning as they walk in. Maybe they're they're frustrated with themselves. They're tired. Others who are suffering greatly. And it just seems like a fog surrounding them. Others who, who walk in feeling good and at peace. And so, Father, I am in awe that you come here and you meet each of us where we need to be met. And so I pray you would do so through my words. If there's anything that I say that's not true of you, it would just fall on deaf ears. But if there is something that is from your spirit, that is from your word, may it be planted deeply within us. May it strengthen us and may it draw us closer to you. We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. So, although uh, I've not intended this, uh, with these little one-off sermons that I am preaching this summer, there has become a little bit of a theme. And I think if I had to title the theme for my sermons this summer, it would be this title. Following Jesus will lead you into strange and uncommon practices in our current cultural moment. Now that's a terrible title. It's, you know, it's way too long. Something like Moments, maybe, I don't know, would be the title that our team would come up with. Following Jesus will lead you into strange and uncommon practices in our current cultural moment. In my last sermon, we opened up the book of James, and we looked at the invitation that James gives to, in the midst of everything that's going on, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of the daily trials that we face, in the midst of all of our dreams and desires, we look at the invitation to practice what? Patience. Not the weight or the burden, but the gift from the Holy Spirit of patience. An uncommon practice in our time. And so today I want us to look at another lost practice a practice that I, I desperately think we need recovered in the church. And that is the practice of hospitality. 
Yes, today we're going to look at the controversial and the sexy subject of hospitality together. Uh, recently, Sarah Hirsch invited me to come lead a discussion with the youth on um, being a, a youth group that, that welcomes one another and being a youth group that welcomes outsiders. And I have to confess, going in, I, I was a little arrogant. I was like, I'm really going to show these young kids how they should love other people, like me, who does it so well all the time. That's what I was thinking. And then I started reading the Bible. And as I opened up the scriptures, two things happened. One, I was left in awe, once again, of God's goodness, his graciousness, and his love towards us. And then secondly, I was deeply convicted. And to be honest with you, um, this sermon is kind of me thinking out loud and wrestling with the implications of what I read and studied for that discussion with the youth. <laughs> um, as I looked at the scripture's vision of hospitality and how it is presented, uh, this sermon is me sort of wrestling through what does this mean for our lives? What does this mean for the church? What does this mean as we seek to follow the way of Jesus Christ, right? Um, and so today, uh, I just want to look at three questions together. And I want us to think about these three questions together. First, what does biblical hospitality look like? Two, what does divine hospitality look like? And three, what should the church's hospitality look like? Biblical hospitality, divine hospitality, the church's hospitality, okay? That's where we're going. So first, let's start with uh, biblical hospitality. So I think a good way to answer this question is to start by asking you all another question. Very Jesus-like, you know. What comes to your mind when you think of hospitality? You know, think about it. When I say hospitality, what image comes into your mind? What's the picture? Uh, is it good or is it bad? Uh, do you get excited or do you get anxious? Do you feel joy or do you feel pressure? Is it, is it fun or is it stressful, right? Do you think, Ah, inviting new people in. Or do you think, ugh, inviting new people in, right? Where do you land with that? Uh, when I, you know, did that for myself and thought of a picture of hospitality, two things happened. One, uh, the image of a casserole being put on the table came into mind. And then two people in flannel hugging one another. So apparently it's fall and like maybe Thanksgiving, but that's kind of the vibes that I got. That's the image in my head. And then this is, this is vulnerable and I'm probably going to regret this, but this is the second image that came to mind. The second image was my wife saying, hey, we should have so-and-so over for dinner and me going, uh, 
Nah. <laughs> right? What's the image that comes into your mind? Joy, stress, maybe expectation, right? Um, maybe, it, maybe it can be complicated, you know? For some of us growing up, Maybe we had this expectation, you need to be hospitable and, and this is what it looks like to be hospitable and that's who you need to be. And we never really saw ourselves as that, right? All my introverted people, right? Um, I mean, my goodness, like for past the peace is hard enough and that's like five seconds, you know? The thought of, of any longer is just absolutely exhausting, right? So it's important that we think about the image that comes to mind. And that's why I want us to look at the scriptures, right? So that our first thought of hospitality isn't just, you know, Martha Stewart or um, Joanna Gaines. I guess that's a little younger, more relevant, you know? That, that image that we kind of get in our, in our head. So in Romans 12, 13, uh, Paul writes to the church, he says, contribute to the needs of the saints. He says, Seek to show hospitality, all right? So what does he mean by hospitality? Well, the Greek word there actually means casserole. No. Um, what, what does he mean by hospitality, right? I'm shocked that got a laugh. I mean, that was so bad. I'm embarrassed that I did that. Um, no, the Greek word for Hospitality doesn't mean casserole. So the Greek word is philoxenia, okay? It's the word that's used in the New Testament. In Romans 12, 1 Timothy 3, Hebrews 13, 1 Peter 4, Titus 1, New Testament talks a lot about hospitality. Interesting. Um, but it combines the Greek word for love and affection. Maybe you've heard of it, phileo. Talking about um, a love um, kind of a familial love or a brotherly love, Philadelphia, right? Um, so it combines phileo with the word for stranger, xanos, okay? So when someone is xenophobic, right, there's a fear or a hatred of strangers or foreigners. When someone is hospitable, they welcome and show familial love to strangers, to foreigners, to those who are different. Okay? Another way to talk about biblical hospitality, and particularly in the New Testament, is hospitality is simply love on display. It's the how of love. It's love for brothers and sisters that's displayed to the other, to the outsider, to the stranger, to the prisoner, to the exile. It's a love that goes beyond words. It's a love that meets physical needs, emotional needs, social needs, right? Interesting, when you get into qualifications for church leadership, what is one of the qualifications? Hospitable. Church leaders need to be hospitable, right? So the other thing, and, and this might be a a bit of a challenge to some of us this morning, right? Um, but 
for the New Testament, the practice of hospitality, it's not optional, and it's not just for a particular few who are gifted. It's a call to the whole church, right? Whether you're introverted or extroverted, whether you can cook or can't cook, whether your house looks a certain way that you think your house needs to look, whether you think you're entertaining or engaging in conversation or interesting in conversation, right? It's a call to everyone. It's an integral part of what it means to be the church, right? And if you go to the Old Testament, you'll find it as well. I mean, there's no Hebrew word for hospitality, but it's everywhere in the Old Testament. You see it in the welcome and shelter and protection asylum that get, uh, guests receive from the people of God. You look at the law and the prophets, you find numerous commands for strangers. And you even find Old Testament stories that show that hospitality is closely connected to a recognition that Yahweh is Lord. I was struck as I began with the lenses of hospitality looking through the scriptures. So there have been several really great books written on this, the Bible and hospitality. One is by um, a professor named Joshua Jipp, and he takes a stab at defining hospitality, as we see in the scriptures. He says that hospitality is the act of, or process where the identity of the stranger is transformed into that of a guest. So hospitality often does use the basic necessities of life, such as protection of one's home, the offer of food, or a casserole. You know, I wasn't that far off. Drink, you know, conversation, clothing. But the primary impulse of hospitality is this. It's to create a safe and welcoming place where the stranger can become a friend. The the primary impulse of hospitality is to create a safe and welcoming space where the stranger can become a friend. If you think about really any friendship that's not a familial bond, that's not family, that's not by blood or marriage, it started with what? It started with hospitality, welcoming the outsider. Okay, so with this vision of hospitality, that I, I want us to get um, what I want us to have in our heads, creating a safe and welcoming place for the stranger, right? With all the images that we have, I want, I want that one to be there and be on the forefront. Um. So the act of hospitality is about welcoming, okay? That's it, simple. Welcoming strangers. And the aim of hospitality is what? Friendship, or even a type of family bond. Okay, so what does divine hospitality look like? Well, you know, to put it simply, um, the triune God is hospitable. Who he is. His relationship to us, to you, is fundamentally an act of hospitality to strangers. God makes space and he welcomes the other as he invites us, as he invites you and I into relationship with himself. Um, 
So in, in the Old Testament, like I said, you, you just start to see it everywhere, right? God, the, the host of Israel, he provides manna and quail, quail in the wilderness, is the divine uh, owner of the land. He grants Israel the gift of benefiting from the land. He spreads a table of peace and divine nourishment for the psalmist. Um, the prophet Ezekiel, he says when God sends his Davidic Messiah, uh, the figure will provide food and nourishment. That's how he's going to shepherd his people. God promises what we know, right? That he's going to inaugurate a kingdom, save his people, and he's going to be present with them. By means of what? How is he going to be present with his people? By means of a feast. Hospitality. Right? Um, and then we get to the New Testament. Okay? And I, I, my hope is that the Holy Spirit would once again just blow our minds by the reality of Jesus Christ. <laughs> because... We, we get to the New Testament, Jesus shows up on the scene, and he grants divine hospitality to all without distinction. He welcomes sinners. He welcomes the religious. He welcomes men, women, rich, poor, Jews, and Gentiles. It, it's provocative, and it's shocking, right? Um, in another book on the Bible and hospitality written by Dr. Christine Pohl, she has this to say, and I loved how she said it. God's guest list includes a disconcerting number of poor and broken people. Those who appear to bring little to any gathering except their need. A disconcerting number of poor and broken people, those who bring little to any gathering except their need. He welcomes the undeserving, provides the lonely with a home, and sets the banquet table for the hungry. So I don't know where you're at this morning. Do you feel broken by your sin, whether that's sin in the present or whether that's sin in the past? Do you feel exhausted? Do you feel tired? Do you feel like you have absolutely nothing to offer? Do you feel like you're at the end of the rope? Do you feel like a lot for other people? I have good news for you this morning. You're exactly the type of person that Jesus loves to invite to a party. You're exactly the type of person that Jesus welcomes with open arms and says, come into my presence. I want nothing more than to be with you. Right? The welcome of Jesus. Just think with me for a second, about the gospel of Luke, right? So Jesus has a meal in Luke 7 with Simon the Pharisee. It ironically provides this hospitable space for the so-called sinful woman to encounter the presence of Jesus. In Luke 10, Jesus shows the lengths to which his compassion will go in the parable of the Good Samaritan, where he widens the vision of the neighbor that we're to be hospitable to, right? It's very striking in Luke 14 when uh, Jesus says, hey, if you're having a party, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind because you will be blessed. Why? Because, well, they can't repay you. Right? In Luke 15, we have the parable that we know of the prodigal son, but that can also be called, what? The parable of the lost son. And that's next to the parable of the lost sheep 
And that's also the parable of the lost coin, right? They're all kind of together. Um, we're probably familiar with these stories, but do we remember why Jesus told these stories? Why? It was in response to the Pharisees who said that Jesus was being hospitable to the wrong people. All right? What did they say? This man receives sinners and eats with them. All right? So here's a good signal. Jesus' hospitality tends to shock and annoy and make people uncomfortable who think that they are A-list preferred guests with Jesus. You see that? Right? Who don't bring their need, but who bring their qualifications and say, ah, yes, Jesus, this is why clearly you should invite me to the party. Right? No, what does Jesus want? What does he say when he sends out the invitation? He says, you need to bring something, and what is that? You need to bring your need, your bankruptcy, the fact that you have nothing. And what's so shocking, right, is that Jesus welcomes the poor, but, you know, maybe it's equally shocking to some of us that Jesus also welcomes the rich. So we're very familiar with the story of Zacchaeus, right? Um, We were told to it when we were children, and so we might have that image in our head. And I don't know about you, but sometimes we think, oh, like cute little Zacchaeus, right? And we know the song, wee little man, and a wee little man was he, exactly. We're going to sing that afterwards. It's going to be very, <laughs> it's going to be very powerful. Um, right? Okay. Zacchaeus was a rich oppressor. Zacchaeus took advantage of poor people. That's why Zacchaeus was hated. And Jesus... <laughs> what, demands an invitation, right? And he goes into the home of Zacchaeus. It's supposed to be provocative and shocking, right? And he meets with him. And what does he offer? He offers his presence. And in the presence of Jesus Christ, Zacchaeus becomes transformed. But it started with what? It started with hospitality. So here's the other thing about Jesus that's that's so amazing and I think we have to have on the forefront of our minds as we think about hospitality, it's that, yes, Jesus is the gracious host. He welcomes children and prostitutes, tax collectors, sinners into his presence. But at the same time, Jesus is the vulnerable guest. He's the needy stranger, right? He received no welcome. He was the homeless infant, the child refugee, the adult with no place to lay his head, The despised convict who the crowd said what? Give us Barabbas and crucify him, right? And it's this picture of God incarnate, Jesus Christ, the host who is lavish and gracious and invites all to come, right? Even though... There are those that people would say, don't invite them to the party, don't welcome them because of X, Y, and Z, right? But at the same time, our vision is also supposed to be shaped by the fact that Jesus is the stranger, right? It's, it's this vision that shapes, okay, how are we to practice 
hospitality, right? Because before we get into the nitty-gritty, right, and is before we think about what it looks like in our own life, we have to stop and pause, and we have to become amazed at what? The fact that God has welcomed us. I think this is where sometimes in, in, in Christian talks about hospitality, we, we move beyond this too quickly. Before we practice hospitality, we must be absolutely in awe of the fact that God has welcomed us. We must be able to receive that. Um, Romans 15, 7, welcome one another as Christ has what? Welcomed you. Right? I think just meditating, that's what I've been trying to do this week. Um, Lord, may I be in awe of your welcome for me. Because this guards against two things. Can I tell you what it guards against? One, it guards against too high a view of yourself. Right? where that pride and that arrogance can come in that, that causes us to not be hospitable, right? That sense of entitlement, right? Man, the Lord, it's not fun to confess publicly. Man, I have a sense of entitlement. Whew. I do. The Lord's been revealing that to me this week, right? So it does that, but then there's the other end. And there's another barrier to hospitality, and that's too low of you of yourself. And that's when you really have not experienced the welcome of Jesus. You really haven't felt what it feels like to have his warm embrace, to stand before him with rags at your worst and to see the kindness and compassion and love in his eyes. And to feel I do belong to the family of God. I do have a place. I'm not worthless. Right? I am a part of this community. Maybe I don't look like everybody else here. Maybe I don't have the same interests. Right? Maybe I don't feel like I'm on the in-group or whatever in-group that you think that is. But to meditate on the welcome of Jesus Christ is to acknowledge that you are an integral member here, that you are family, that you belong. And that Jesus greets you with a warm smile. And yes, he sees it all. We have to start there. Right? And then it's from that place. It's, it's only from that place. Because if we don't start there, we're just going to enter in a place of kind of guilt and shame. And yeah, I don't do it enough. Yeah, I need to be more hospitable. Yeah, I need to be more welcoming. Right? And that's not the posture that we want to enter into the conversation with, right? Because um, that might bring some immediate quick change, right? That might lead to an aptitude, but that's not going to lead to a community that is marked by hospitality. And it's not going to lead to a practice of hospitality that is just swimming in the waters of the welcome of God, in the love of God, in the compassion and kindness of God, Right? But it's from that that we go to my last point, and that is, what does it look like for the church to be hospitable? Um, and this kind of shocked me, okay? Because what I was planning 
um, once again, before I really studied the scriptures, was really focusing on the church welcoming outsiders, right? And we're going to talk about it. welcoming um, non-believers, right? And I was going to really go that direction. It was going to be great. Um, and as I read the New Testament, I was struck by how often hospitality is connected to believers welcoming one another. It's like over and over again, um, the command, it's a command, welcome one another, right? Um, Romans 12, 13 that we read, contribute to the needs of the saints. That's how it starts. Do you see that? And show hospitality. Do you see how closely connected that is? Romans 16, 1 and 2, I commend to you your sister Phoebe, that you may what? Welcome her in the Lord in a way that's worthy of the saints. Help her in whatever she may need from you. First Peter 4, he says what? Show hospitality to who? To one another, right? Um, so what does this look like? Well, I mean, practically in the Greco-Roman world, um, it looked like hosting Christians when they were traveling. Inns were not safe places to stay. There were, there were kind of bad actors there, right? And so hospitality literally looked like welcoming people into your home, right, who are journeying, welcoming leaders, welcoming missionaries, giving them a place to stay, giving them food, giving them clothes, and then providing for them, giving them a sense of protection, providing them to make the rest of the, the journey. <laughs> wow, right? Um, we also see in the church that there were a lot of Christians who were, who were poor, Christians who were widowed, Right? Christians who had a lot of needs, often meeting these needs look like what? Hospitality, you know? Um, also, um, they, at this time, there weren't ice lodges that could be transformed into churches yet. You know, that wouldn't come for a few more years. Um, and so gathering together uh, meant that they would meet in, in people's homes. People would host, Right? And the whole church would gather, you know. I'm getting anxiety just thinking about it, right? So obviously this was a different culture, a different time. And I think a, a misstep is to try to do like a one-to-one. -one. Well, then we need to do da-da-da-da, right? No. I want this to stir our imaginations. I want us to see the vision in the picture so that therefore we can say, what does it look like for us, right? Because in the midst of all this, fundamentally, hospitality in the early church looked like Christians welcoming Christians who were not like them. Christians welcoming Christians who were different than them, right? Um, and this was a message to the world that what? That Jesus is king, that Jesus is Lord, that there's not Jew or Gentile or male or female or uh, slave nor free. What? No, all are in Christ, the world says because of these social boundaries, you should stay separate and stay in your own lanes and not associate with one another, but the gospel doesn't say that. The gospel says that you are brothers and sisters in Christ, right? Um, this is why Paul gets so ticked at Peter. When Peter um, is inhospitable to Gentile Christians, what does he do? He removes himself from what? eating, meals, right? 
ah, I'm not going to eat with those people. And Paul is like, hey, this is not just like the dinner table manners. This is a big freaking deal. That's my translation. Um, be, why? Because, um, because the truth of the gospel is at stake. And the truth of the gospel is that we're saved by faith and not by anything that we've earned or any kind of status that we might have obtained. In John 13, Jesus says that the world will know you're my disciples by what? How loud and angry you are. You know? No. He says, the world will know you're my disciples by how what? You love one another. How you welcome one another. And so, yes, hospitality in the church does look like welcoming outsiders. Of course, 110%. But it has to start with us welcoming one another, does it not? It has to start with us being a community that's different than the world, right? A different community where people that the world says shouldn't be together come together and love and serve one another. And that's a testimony that Jesus is Lord, right? That Jesus is Lord. So that's, that's where it has to start. And then let that vision, if we can learn, I just wonder if we can learn to really welcome one another and be hospitable to one another and put aside our differences with one another and bear with one another. I, I just wonder if that wouldn't overflow into welcoming outsiders, right? Would it not? And those who aren't Christians, would it shape our hearts in such a way? Would it build practices within us in such a way that we then would be able to welcome those who aren't Christians in a way that's shocking, right? Um, I, I just wonder if we've gotten to this place because our culture is so polarized and because everything, whether it's social media or whether it's a news program or whether it's a YouTube video, is, it's so hostile, it's, it's, count, it's point, counterpoint, point, counterpoint, right? And you got to have your argument together and you got to be able to give this answer and response and da-da-da-da-da. I just wonder, um, that's what it is, da-da-da-da. I just, I wonder um, if it's made us think that we have to have a PhD from Oxford in apologetics to talk to someone that's not a Christian. <laughs> you know, or, or, or to even say we're a Christian, to, to share our faith in any way, shape, or form right? What if it looks like this? What if it just looks like being hospitable? I could, there, there's so many stories. I could just go over and over and over again of stories of people that have come to the faith because someone really argued them into it. No, you know, it's not wrong to have a discussion, right? To, to have conviction, to disagree, you know, that's, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Um, but to be hot, Hospitable. Do I want to get, give this example? I don't know. I guess so. You know, one of the reasons this is so shocking, I think a perfect example of this, is a while back, yeah, I'm going to give it. Okay, a while back, um, Ellen DeGeneres and George Bush sat together at like a Dallas Cowboys football game, and everybody lost their mind. Do you all remember this? You know? And, and, and Ellen came on and gave such a great response, and she was like, 
I have friends that I disagree with. And everyone was like, what? You know, it was, but do you see how like countercultural that was? You know, and so I use that as an example that hopefully doesn't offend anyone or anything, but I, I just use that as an example to show the power of hospitality and how counterculture it can be to welcome people that are different from you into your homes, for us to welcome outsiders. Now, there are tons of complexities with this, right? There are tons of difficulties, and we could have a conversation about wisdom in doing so, and, and discernment in doing so, and safety in doing so, right? And we can have a discussion about boundaries and how uh, we're not Jesus, and so that means that we can't do it all, right? And, and limitations with hospitality. We can talk about all of that, right? But there's no time. So where I want to leave us is I want to leave us here not in giving a bunch of little examples of hospitality, but rather just leaving it with you and trusting that the Spirit is working in your heart. What is the Lord calling you to? What, what practices? What, what changes in attitude even? You know, what is he doing? I don't know. I don't know. But I trust that the Spirit's moving and I trust that as we meditate on how God has welcomed us and how God has welcomed the outsider, right? That he will empower us by his spirit to be a people that welcome others in a way that's shocking, that's provocative, and it shows to the world that Jesus is Lord. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, would you do that? Would you work now by your spirit in our hearts that we may be your people that welcome others as we have been welcomed, as we have been welcomed. Amen.